I've really yeah, developed my voice around climate action and climate advocacy is because this is the greatest challenge facing Australian farmers and farmers all around the world. Here on the property, having fallen in love with it and then watching it degrade before my eyes, watching it suffer, realising that the wildlife was disappearing, like you didn't see the kangaroos anymore, the birds vanished and I really missed the sound of bird song. Welcome to the RM Williams Outback Great Australians podcast. I'm Terry Cowley from RM Williams Outback magazine. I hope you enjoy hearing from the inspirational men and women who fairly leap from the pages of our new Great Australians publication. One such is Anika Molesworth, who really is a force of nature. She combines her love of farming and nature with a passion for giving voice to a new generation of concerned farmers. I spoke with a very articulate Anika at home in Broken Hill, New South Wales. Big thanks to Elders Insurance for sponsoring our podcast. At Elders Insurance, the agents are local and trusted members of the community who get to know you and your situation. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to their culture and leaders, past, present and emerging. Anika Molesworth combines her love of nature and farming with a passion for giving voice to a new generation of planet-loving farmers. She joins me now as part of the Great Australians podcast. Hello, Anika. Hi, Terry. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today. Can you tell me about the first time you walked the paddocks of your family farm? Sure. The first walk I actually remember quite vividly because I was strolling along and I came across this dam uh, when I was fresh out here on, on the property. And this incredible large kangaroo jumped out of a, a salt bush like right in front of me and like absolutely terrified me <laughs> with surprise. And he thumped his tail on the ground and bounded away off into the scrub. And I just remember sort of standing there at the water's edge, you know, completely, you know, surprised, exhilarated, just like, wow, like in wonder and awe of this country that I was living in. And, and from that moment, I just really fell in love with this place and have continued to have that sense of wonder and awe every single day when I walk out into the paddock. So I believe that was back in 2000 when you were 12 and your parents bought a 4,000 hectare property near Broken Hill. Been quite a journey since. You're now a farmer, scientist, storyteller, commentator and author. And you wrote Our Sunburnt Country last year. And you've also had an absolute string of accolades to your name. Oh, thank you. Yes, I've been busy, but it's because I love this place so much and I love being involved with the farming community. And I think the agricultural sector and working on environmental causes is one of the most exciting, one of the most meaningful places to actually pursue a career. So some of those accolades include Young Farmer of the Year, Finalist in the Young Australian of the Year, Young Achiever Award, Woman of Influence, all these things going on. But you have a practice every morning and afternoon that keeps you grounded. Yeah, so every morning and every evening, poor sunrise and sunset, I guess, I go for a walk with my dog out into the paddock and just, you know, be with nature, 
you know, listen to the sounds of the bush, watch the cockatiels or the galahs swooshing overhead, just breathing in that fresh, crisp, arid air. And it's a beautiful way to bookend one's day, being in a place that one loves and respects so much and recharging on why I do and pursue what I do. It's because I love this place and I want to care for it in the best way that I can. Can you describe the landscape that surrounds you? Yeah, so far western New South Wales is a land of ruby red soils and sapphire blue skies. It's Willakali country where Willakali people have lived for tens of thousands of years. And alongside the most extraordinary creatures like the Barrier Ranger's dragon that scuttles between saltbush and the incredible exquisite fruits and um, plants that grow out here too, like, you know, the native spinach or the native mustards or the cherry red quondon. And so walking through this landscape, it's it's an incredible place to live and to spend time. So you run sheep there with your husband now. Probably even more important in a sense to you is spreading the message about the dire need for climate action. Yes. So we have flooding this year, 2022. We've had some pretty dry years for the last six years. And so we have actually been gradually destocking the property because of those really dry times. And this is something that we are noticing in far western New South Wales. And when one looks at the climate scenario, that it is becoming hotter and it is becoming drier. And this part of Australia, it is naturally a hot and dry bioregion. And the fact that it is becoming hotter and drier means it's more and more challenging to actually produce food or fibres from country like this. And so being responsible land managers, custodians of this incredible piece of Australia, one has to be very gentle on the land, you know, use foresight, look at where we are going as a world, as a global society with our climate, and how do we best manage the land now so it is productive and resilient and sustainable long into the future. I've really yeah, developed my voice around climate action and climate advocacy is because this is the greatest challenge facing Australian farmers and farmers all around the world. We talked about when you first walked on the family farm. Within two years after that, you were plunged into the millennium drought. Does that inform a lot of what you talk about today? Yeah, absolutely. Because those first moments on this property, you know, I absolutely fell in love with it. You know, the the dams were full. There were kangaroos bounding across the paddocks. I watched the budgerigars, you know, sweep across the sky. It was just magical. And that was the year 2000. And for the next 10 years after that, we ended up having little to no rainfall. And that was the millennium drought, which hit, you know, so much of Australia and so many people in Australia, especially the farming community, have such vivid memories from that millennium drought because it was so long and it was so dry and it was so hard here on the property, having fallen in love with it and then watching it degrade before my eyes, watching it suffer, watching the, the vegetation slowly disappear over the seasons as the rain stopped falling, watching the dust storms come with more frequency, realizing that the wildlife was disappearing, like we didn't see the kangaroos anymore, the birds vanished. And I really miss the sound of bird song. And you, you feel that at an emotional level. 
and you see the toll of the drought on your family, you know, in their faces, on your rural community. And that's when I really started to gain an understanding of how connected people are to the natural world. And unless we have a healthy natural environment, we don't have productive farming systems and we don't have happy and productive social systems either. And so that's what really spurred me to try and understand more about what was happening with this drought, understand what the projections are saying with droughts becoming more frequent and more intense and what we can do about them. Looking for Australia's best range of full-size pickup trucks? Then you want a Ram truck. Get into your local Ram dealer for the best selection of powerful, capable and luxurious pickups all under one roof. With Australia's best range of full-size pickup trucks, Ram eats everything else for breakfast. Visit ramtrucks.com.au or see your Ram dealer today and get into a Hemi V8-powered Ram. Enough said. So you found with mainstream schooling you are being pushed along a career path to be something like a lawyer or a doctor, but the call of the land was too strong. Well, I've always loved being outside. I've loved being with animals. I love, you know, that experiential learning of being out with nature in an environment, getting my hands dirty, learning by doing trial and error. And the farming sector, the food producing system, working alongside nature, it just absolutely fascinates me. And so I was always sort of pulled in this direction that I want to work with animals, with rural communities, learn how to produce food and do it in the most environmentally responsible way. So you started a Facebook group called Climate Wise Agriculture. And I guess that was a a way of bringing those two loves together. It was. So as I entered university and started studying science and understanding more about the environmental challenges that we face and social challenges we face in the agricultural systems, I wanted to share what I was learning because I thought it was absolutely fascinating and such important conversations that we needed to be having. And so I initially just started you know, doing social media posts and writing articles about what I was learning during my university study. And, you know, finding people along the way who were equally as curious, you know, what does climate change actually mean for food systems? What does it mean for the next generation of food producers? How do we look at some of these big challenges in the eye and work out how to solve them now? So in the middle of all this, you spent a year as a Jillaroo in Queensland and also as a teacher's aide in Ghana. Was it really important for you to go away to get that perspective? I think it is great to have a diversity of experience and perspectives of the world. And I know I've been incredibly fortunate to have been able to travel and to see different parts of the world and to work alongside different people in different industries and sectors and to gain more of a a holistic understanding of how the world operates, you know, what factors are at play, what challenges are there out there and also what opportunities. Because we really don't learn by talking to our reflections in the mirror. We learn by encountering differences. We learn by speaking with dissimilar thinkers and doers. And we learn by looking at different systems in Australia and around the world to gain a better appreciation of where we are placed here and now. And how do we tweak what we're doing? How do we improve the system? 
system so it is the best for whatever future scenario we're moving towards. So you now have not just a bachelor's degree but a master's degree and a PhD in various sustainable agriculture disciplines. But I guess what you really discovered throughout this is that you do have a special ability or others would describe it as such for communicating the science of farming and climate change. Well, I really fell into this communication space because I'm very much an introverted person and I love being alone in a paddock with a dog and an endless horizon. So speaking up and being visible really does push me out of my comfort zone. It does not come naturally to me at all. But as I was learning more about climate change, the impacts it has on food producing systems, the challenges it poses to rural people, I became increasingly concerned that this challenge wasn't being dealt with in the manner that is required. That so often the science around climate change and food security is downplayed, it's dismissed. And I actually felt a sense of frustration because not only could I see the damage that that dismissal of science was causing to the environment and our rural communities, but it also means that we were missing out on a lot of opportunities. Like we have an abundance of ways that we could do things better and there's a huge flow on of positive benefit when we actually do things better. And so it was because of this that I really thought, well, you know, I need to find my own voice. I can't be a, a silent witness knowing what challenges are out there, but not actually doing anything about it. And so I really sort of started speaking out more about it, you know, on social media with radio, with podcasts, you know, making little videos that I would put up on YouTube, just talking about what climate change actually means. Like what are the real and personal impacts of a changing climate? How we could actually do things better if we work together, if we fronted up and faced those challenges. So you co-founded Farmers for Climate Action and represented the group at the 2015 UN Climate Talks in Paris. Wow, that sounds pretty high level. Yeah, so it was an incredible moment where yeah, I went to the COP Paris climate talks and met with some incredible people who are, you know, really visionaries. They imagine something better for our world and they imagine that we can do something better for our world. And being surrounded by people like that is just so energizing. And I felt very honored to be there, you know, representing a young rural farming voice expressing my concerns of what climate change means for the next generation of food and fiber producers, but also having conversations on, well, what can we do now so that the next generation of food and fiber producers have the best future to look forward to. So tell me about this shift that you've observed from when you first started talking about climate change when it was a very divisive topic to now. Yeah, and it's a good word that you use there, divisive, and it's incredibly unfortunate that that narrative in Australia has been that way for so long. It's very disappointing, actually, because it is not the, the usual narrative. It's not the same narrative that we hear in so many other countries where, yeah, they recognise the science, they understand that this is a problem, and they have been tackling this issue for, you know, at least the last decade. Whereas here in Australia, we have heard a lot about, you know, the climate debate, the science is still out, that kind of language, which is incredibly divisive and confusing and has really created this toxic narrative around climate change, which has actually impeded our ability to do something about it. So moving forward, you know, nowadays, there is a lot less 
toxicity around climate change because people, by and large, they get it. And they get it for actually very unfortunate reasons and that we have delayed so long in acting on this problem that we do have mega bushfires, horrific floods, droughts that you know are unprecedented. But now that people understand that this is a very real and very urgent problem, that means that we can and we should act on it. And so now the general population, it's looking forward about what we can do. How do we address this challenge now? How do we put in place the strategies that are required so that we have that best future? How are you feeling about Australia's ability to act on climate change now? Well, I'm a realistic person in that I look at the damage that has been done, the species that have been the delays that have occurred, and it is inexcusable. And that does fill me with a sense of grief and frustration. But I am also a very optimistic person because I know that we have an abundance of solutions out there, that we have so many ways that we can improve what we are doing. And when we make those improvements, it has this flow of positive benefit, you know, income diversification, more stable and resilient rural jobs, you know, better rural economies, more productive ecosystems. When we capture carbon and put it back in the plants and soils where it belongs, not in the atmosphere, we actually have more fertile ecosystems that actually mean that we are more productive as farmers, but more profitable, more sustainable for the long run. We're also blessed with a lot of natural resources here in Australia in the terms that we are the sunniest and one of the windiest continents on earth. So when farmers host solar panels and wind turbines, they can have that you know secondary and stable source of income lower their production costs and actually be part of this innovative revolution, you know, this cleaner, greener world that is better for everyone. It's better for our businesses, it's better for our environment, and it's better for our people. And so it is this triple win. And that's what makes me excited. And that's what keeps me optimistic. In the light of that, how do you feel about the future of agriculture in Australia? I think Australian agriculture is an incredibly exciting place to be. It's a beautiful community. I'm so proud to be part of it. The people, they are as determined as much as they are dreamers of a better future. And they are working hard every single day to improve their practices, to have resilient lands, to look after their homes and communities. And that's an incredible group of people to be working alongside of, I think. It's been fantastic talking to you. I can see why you've been chosen as a great Australian. And you're only young. How old are you now? Uh, 34. Got a long way to go. Many more things to achieve, I am sure. <laughs> thanks so, so much. So, Sarah. thanks very much for your time. Thanks for lending your ears to the RM Williams Outback Great Australians podcast. The people we featured truly inspired us and made for a great yarn, which is why they were featured in our Great Australians publication. But you know what? Our bi-monthly RM Williams Outback magazine is chock full of people just like this, as well as so many of the amazing places that are all around our country, away from the bright lights of our cities. They're brought to life through the crafted words of our writers and the talent of our photographers and their stunning images. We'd love you to become a part of the Outback family by subscribing. Go to www.outbackmag.com.au or give us a ring on 02-9028-5428 during business hours and you'll get to deal with a real human at the end of the line who will sort out home delivery for you wherever you are. 
That number again, 02-9028-5428. RM Williams Outback magazine is also available in Good News Agents. Now's the time to upgrade to a new Ram truck. With unrivaled Hemi V8 power and a max brake towing capacity of up to four and a half tonnes. With quick delivery available right now, you can get behind the wheel of a new Ram faster than ever. Stocks are limited, so see your Ram dealer or visit ramtrucks.com.au today. Ram eats everything else for breakfast. Stock and delivery times vary by model and dealer. 